Hi, Fashion Hotline. Hi, this Easter, I'm on the hunt. For eggs? For new styles my family can wear to brunch. Get to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, right now, get a huge 50% off your entire purchase in store. Everything you need, like dresses, polos, and shorts, is 50% off. 50% off? You must be hiding something. Dresses start at just $12 for women, $10 for girls. But Easter's just three days away. Then hop to it. It's in stores only. Don't tell the Easter Bunny. Hurry in for 50% off your entire purchase in stores only. Now at Old Navy. Valid 14 to 420 in stores only. Excludes in-store clearance. Gift cards. Register lane items. Jewelry today only and two-day only deals. He did the monster mash. The monster mash. It was a graveyard smash. He did the mash. It caught on in a flash. He did the mash. He did the monster mash. From my laboratory in the Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to your favorite stop for horror news, true crime, and real-life tales of the unexplained monsters at midnight. The second edition for the weekly editions of the of October. Fuck, I can never say that right. Coming to you live from the Zima Podcasting Network. It's also not live. Coming to you from the Zima Podcasting <laughs> Network, being recorded in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, or as I like to call it, Seattle too. What's with all the rain we've been getting? All right. Um, I'm your host, the skeleton with the most, Matt Schaefer. That cackling voice from beyond is of course the lovely and talented Jolyn Dormady. How are you tonight? Uh, apparently very giggly. This is going to be fun. <laughs> and over at the switchboard, do not feed him after midnight and do not under any circumstances get him wet. Graham Zima. <laughs> Fire me, going? I dare you. Yeah, you're fired. You already knew what I was, what I was going for. I'm a one trick pony. <laughs> Welcome back to the show. We have we have a fun show lined up for you guys. Um and be always be sure to check out the other content that Zima Podcasting has to offer you. We are on Spreaker.com. We are also on iTunes. And not to mention the website that we have that we hope you are listening to this on. What is the actual uh URL for the website? Zima Podcasting Network.com. Perfect. So Let's get this show on the road, my tender lumplings. Bolt your doors, lock your windows, and turn out the lights. And I fucked that one up, too. But Monsters at Motherfucking Midnight rides again. Second episode of October. See, that's all I need to say. Uh, We're going to start off with a filmmaker that's been making the rounds in our circle of friends right now is Eli Roth. Why is he making the rounds in our friends group right now? I don't fucking know, but he is. Uh, Charlie Arpin who of Chuckles 5-Minute Reviews just saw Hostel and Cabin Fever. For the first time? For the first time. Ooh. I'm dying. Where has he been? I don't know. I'm full of pasta, by the way, <laughs> so if I sound like I'm dying, it's, I'm dying. <laughs> it's only because I am. Um, where the fuck was I going with this? Oh, Graham just rewatched Hostel. I just saw for the first time Knock Knock. It's the only Eli Roth movie I've seen. Jolyn's seen a lot of Eli Roth movies. Yeah. But we're going to just dissect and sort of have uh editorial on why what's the appeal of Eli Roth? What what kind of filmmaker is he? Is it what good? Gives? What what's, gives? What's what's the deal with that Eli Roth guy? <laughs> so I just I I 
Uh, leave it up to whoever wants to go first. <laughs> I'll go first because I don't have much to say about it. Uh, I like Eli Roth because, I mean, his movies are quite enjoyable, but also he didn't really come from, like, the Los Angeles crowd. Like, he's, like, this guy from Boston who even talks about the fact that it seemed impossible for him to establish uh, a career in the film industry. Mm -hmm. So he just went full steam ahead regardless of what people told him in his childhood, and he just made movies. And it goes to show that you don't have to come from the Los Angeles area or nobody who knows somebody. He just went out there and made movies himself. And that's how he got the attention of the bigger higher ups in the industry. So he's inspiring, I think more than anything. And I just, I love a guy who likes horror movies as much as he does and has the same type of appreciation that I do for him. So that's all I have to say. That's why I'm a big Eli Roth fan. Jolyn. Okay. Um, well, I've always kind of put him in the same category as like Robert Rodriguez and Tarantino. And obviously I, I love them both. I love their movies. I Maybe I don't like Tarantino as a person, but enough, we'll see. Yeah. I don't know. I have never met him, so who knows? Um, but, so, you know, he's very inspired by, like, exploitation films, and that's really cool to me. I'm into that. Um, also, like, it, it's one of those situations where the more I learned about him, the more into him I was. Because, I mean, initially, I, I can't say I was, like, super impressed by all his films, Um like, I liked, I, I really liked Green Inferno. I loved Cabin Fever. Um, Hostel was really good. Uh, knock Knock, I was kind of like, Rrr. um, but, and I'm really interested in seeing, uh, the house with a clock in its walls. I think that could be really, really cool. Cause I, like, initially I just kind of saw him as, like, you know, dude making torture porn movies. So mm. I was, I was willing to brush him off. But like I said, the more I learned about him, the more, like, into his work I was. Um, because, uh, so he, like, when he was in film school, he, uh, he worked as an online operator for Penthouse, posing as a woman. And I, I just learned that today. And apparently that's how he's, he paid for his student films. And I, I think that's really fun. And I also just love that, like, he's willing to share that with anybody. I mean, that article is from, like, 2009, but it's still, I mean... I wonder what a cool if they're dude. hiring. <laughs> That's all I have to say. <laughs> One can only hope. Right. But, um, and I guess he's been, like, making little films since he was about eight. And supposedly he made over a hundred short films with his brothers by the time he graduated high school. Um, so it's like that's obviously, obviously something that he really loves to do and he's super into. And, like, he's been willing to just sort of like work his way up. Cause I, I guess he started as like an assistant, um, for Howard Stern during private parts. And then he was like an extra on the practice. Um, and he had been writing like this whole time after film school. And then that was when he finally made cabin fever and started making films for himself. So it was like, it's, it's really somebody who's been like, you know, working his way up the ladder and, and paying his dues. And I think that's really awesome because it's like you hear about so many people who just sort of like stumble into things or just have the right connections and then they get involved with stuff. And that's not quite as satisfying. But Eli Roth's journey kind of feels almost relatable and like something that other people can achieve. And that mm -hmm. feels good because I'm like, yeah, I want to make a movie someday. And it feels good that I don't have to like know every producer or, you know, yeah. it's awesome. I, I think his his work is the work he's done is awesome, and I, maybe I, I'm not super into all of his movies, but, like, he obviously is super into it and cares a lot and puts the work in, and I, I dig that. I'm super into that. Nice, yeah. 
Um, I I would have to agree with most like most all that. Um, I truthfully didn't know a lot of the stuff about Eli Roth until Graham mentioned it and you brought it up. Um, and I think that's super cool too. Uh, Humble origins and all that, and it's very inspiring. Um, I've always I've always been curious about him as a filmmaker because he does seem like a true modern day like exploitation director mm-hmm. and which I think is super cool because as much as I love Grindhouse Grindhouse is is more of an homage to that era of film and I I give kudos to filmmakers that are making movies that could belong in that era of film because that's it's it's not a great era of film, but it's one of my favorites, at least uh, contextually. I think it's super interesting. And uh, I was going somewhere with that. Just low-budget origins has always been an inspiration for me. That's why I got my Halloween tattoo, not only because I love yeah. the, the movie and the holiday, but it's mostly because uh, low-budget horror films were one of my biggest inspirations for becoming a filmmaker. In general, so um, props to Eli Roth. I think he, whether or not his content is always reviewed highly, which is a lot of times it's not. I think I have respect for him as a filmmaker because I do respect filmmakers that are unapologetically themselves. Like that's why I like David Lynch and uh, Quentin Tarantino because they don't. They don't sell out to studios. They don't uh, paint themselves in a light that feels dishonest. And I never felt like. I mean, you watch an Eli Roth movie, you pretty much know what you're going to get. And That's I think I think it's it's great that he has made an identity for himself. Um, and since we're on the topic right now, do you want to riff a little bit about Knock Knock? Because um, I'm sure we both have some things to say about it. So many opinions. And let's, I'm going to first off say the movie's a couple years old, so spoilers ahead, um, just because this movie has an interesting story that unfolds, and to talk about issues that I have with the film, I feel like it's more appropriate to go into the specifics of why. So if you really care to see Knock Knock and don't want it spoiled, tune out this part or skip ahead or whatever you would like to do. So um, to bring you up to speed, Knock Knock is a 2015 film by Eli Roth, uh, co-written by Eli Roth based off a story that was not by Eli Roth. I'm not sure who wrote the original story off the top of my head. but I didn't actually know that. I didn't know that much about this. Movie. It's about... Um, Keanu Reeves plays uh, an architect, uh, a husband and father uh, who is living a very, very good life with a very happy family. When the family goes out of town for the weekend, uh, during a thunderstorm, two very beautiful, very young girls uh, appear soaking wet at his front doorstep and being a good Samaritan, he offers to help them out. However, this seems to be a bad move move and leads down a rabbit hole of just like what the fuckery <laughs> that I don't think he expected. So 
Jolene, what do you think about what are your thoughts on knock knock? Um, I I guess I'm always like partial to female psychos. Like I love that. Um, and I think this was kind of Eli Roth's way of maybe like turning the tables, like having women kind of use their sexuality to fuck with men a little bit. And mm-hmm. I like that aspect of it. Um, I kind of wish it wouldn't have gone the direction that it did because there. I mean. It's like, obviously, the dude involved is, like, this, like, super fucking innocent guy. He didn't do fucking anything. So, of course, you just don't want him to see him put through this stuff. Like, if they were doing something, maybe, like, a revenge film, mm-hmm. I'd be like, oh, fuck, yeah, this is fucking awesome. But right, it's just, yeah. like, they just targeted a man who was happy with his wife and then, like, manipulated the shit out of him and debatably almost, like, like borderline raped him not quite but they really like fucking I mean, they, thrust themselves at him you know they definitely rape him in one scene yeah oh yeah in one scene they yeah. do yeah um but like to begin with you know it, it's like kind of but yeah so they do rape him and that's mm. that's fucked up and i like as much as i like that's a real narrative and that does happen i just in terms of like commentary of modern day movies i don't think we really needed this movie right now no oh, you know yeah I mean? well or even two years ago no, you know it's, true, I, yeah. it's still it's still very new yeah like, um, um i'm sorry why? <laughs> <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> but like other aspects of it i did like because it is a new kind of idea it's a new set of psychos which you know we haven't really encountered in in a lot of horror movies mm. before so it was good, and it's one of those movies that I've still, like, watched a few times and I'm still kind of willing to watch it, mm-hmm. but I also have, like, a really hard time recommending it to anybody because it's a little bit, like, heavy in all the wrong ways, you know? Yeah, it's... Yeah, the best way I sum up my feelings of it is the first half is really, really good and made me super uncomfortable and was super... uh, super, like, uh, creepy, unnerving... And then it got really tedious and really, I don't necessarily want to say annoying, but annoying is the best word I can think of in this situation. Because basically the whole buildup to the eventual three-way that happens between Keanu and the the two girls made me really uncomfortable because it's so obviously bizarre and strange. And even... A good portion of the movie after it happens is equally uncomfortable and uneasy and plays with a lot of really weird things like the the girls dressing up in his wife's clothes and his daughter's clothes and they're trashing his house. But that's when the movie starts to fall apart is when it there's this whole like game show like sort of thing that they play with him where they're just they're asking him like questions about oh i need to backpedal a little bit they make him believe that they're they're both 15 years old even though there's no way in fuck that (laughs) anyone would believe that these girls are 15 which they turn out to not be but yeah shocker spoiler alert um but they make him believe that they are 15 years old so they they tie him up and have this whole stupid game show asking him questions like Oh, how far away does Evan need to be to pick up his kids once he's labeled a child molester? And it's it's just like, and like I get it, and it's, but at that point it's like, 
All right, it was just it was more uncomfortable when they were like getting inside his head and not just like you're a child rapist, you're a child rapist, nah, and like, yeah. and Keanu gets pretty insufferable because he keeps pleading with these girls, oh, you don't have to do this, and it's like, dude, they've it's pretty obvious they've made up their minds. Yeah. It's it's and the whole. The whole speech he has at the end when he's like screaming and cussing and he's like comparing the girls showing up on his doorstep to free pizza. It's like, what was I supposed to do? And it's like, uh, it's I don't, I just, I yeah, didn't, there, there I didn't of, buy it. Like a lot of problems, I think, with this movie. And it, I'm not sure if the movie is supposed to be commentary on men sexualizing everything. Because that that can be valid commentary, but it doesn't it doesn't paint itself in a very optimistic light or a very likable light when the two main women in the movie are nuts. Well, yeah, and they're very obviously like going out of their way to convince him to fuck them mm-hmm. because, like, you know, initially he's just like, "Oh no," and then they just like pull him into the bathroom while they're totally naked, and it's like, "Oh well, you know, right?" They're, they're yeah. Um, weird it's weird it's it's a weird (laughs) movie and i'm not i'm not like you said i'm not unhappy that i saw it and i still like the movie enough that i like i i own it and i i might watch it i think i prefer eli roth's gore i think i'm more into that than well it's he's yeah well because his his psychological commentary isn't very good i mean (laughs) i and again i could be wrong i've only seen knock knock from his filmography I need to I need to brush up on that, but yeah, uh, interesting setup, sloppy dismount, but it was an all right time. If you are looking for something kind of trashy to watch, <laughs> so trashy might be right. Trashy, it might be right. Um, so yeah, that's those are our thoughts on Knock Knock. Uh, just and those are our thoughts on Eli Roth. As a filmmaker and human being in general, <laughs> um, we're going to move on to our next topic, More another more of an editorial piece. By the way, if you're wondering why Graham has been so quiet, Graham had to bounce for a quick second. He should be back or he might be back. We'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> um, Otherwise, you're stuck with us, so have fun. Damn. Uh, we're going to... It's no secret that, uh, well, Graham too, but it's no secret that JoLynn and I are both huge music fans of all sorts of different types of music. Um, it always comes down to this time of year when I start assembling some sort of uh, Halloween playlist, either on my I- iTunes or Spotify. So I just thought we would have a little back and forth here, uh, throwing out some names of songs that uh, or some artists that we think will be fundamental and hopefully between the two of us we can create the most kick-ass halloween playlist out there jolena balls in your court okay well i'm gonna start with uh feed my frankenstein alice cooper because like all of alice cooper is a little bit creepy but especially that one Mm. that one's perfect um so yeah that's 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 step one okay um See, JoLynn has notes, as always. I do. And I don't. So. They're limited, though, this time, in my defense. So <laughs> I, I only have three pages. So, um, still, It's more than I have. And right now, I'm like, why have I forgotten every song I've heard in my life? Um, <laughs> That's why I write shit down. It's true. Um, oh, fuck. Oh, no. 
as otherwise we forget our favorite filmmakers when like we're Toby recording. Hooper. Yeah. <laughs> Never going to forget that. Um so I'm going to say well I have to throw this one on Thriller uh by Michael Jackson. Oh yeah. It yeah. wouldn't be a Halloween playlist without Thriller because it, you've got that eerie baseline and the the whole motif is about horror movies and watching a scary movie with which y'all girl mm-hmm. or your boy and Vincent fucking price is in it yeah. for the three people out there that have never heard thriller. So that's my choice. I don't even know if there's three of them. I was going to say like, I, I I'm explaining like there's this song. It was a big deal in the eighties. Like these people have never heard thriller <laughs> before. Um, okay. I'll go into uh pet cemetery. Better Ramones. I don't know that one. Pet cemetery? I don't think I do. I don't want to be buried in a pet cemetery. I don't recognize this oh, one. Oh, man. that's like I feel like that's one of the best known Ramon songs, so oh. I feel like... I don't know. Who, where the fuck am I right now? Graham's back. Yay, Graham. So we're going to throw it over to you, Graham. Give us a song. Halloween playlist. For the Halloween playlist. Um, Obviously, Bad Moon Rising by... Creedence Clearwater <laughs> Revival. <laughs> Apologies, folks, for being gone for a few seconds there. Um, Somebody fed him after midnight. Yeah, it was it was bad. Um, put him in a blender or mm-hmm. a microwave. I've never seen Gremlins. So. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Yeah. Okay. So Monster Mash. Yeah. Obviously, classics. Got to go with the classics. Thriller. Oh, yeah. he said too it late. Already. Damn it. <laughs> um, Knights in White Satin. Hey. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I, there has a sort of a. I mean, not only was it used in the Rob, greatest horror Rob film Zombies of all Halloween too, but it's also just like kind of a spooky song, and it and it's spooky. got a, a certain like haunting feel to it. I guess would it's be the a best very way to describe it. Very chilly, like autumny song. Has anybody said "Don't Fear the Reaper"? No, not yet. No. I, I, I take "Don't Fear the Reaper" as well. Um, that'd be a good base. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure I could go searching for a few more selections, but that would be where I'd start and then build from there. Because as we found out with Halloween songs, like it's kind of one of those things we don't have much to choose from, so we have to look at certain songs and say, does it fit like a criteria that right, doesn't yeah. exactly exist? Like I, I That's something I was going to start this off with. When I assemble my Halloween playlist, I either... Well, I, I'm either looking for scores from horror movies mm-hmm. or uh, uh, I'm looking for music that overtly has to do with, like, the macabre or murder or, like, the occult or anything. Monster-related. Yeah. And, but I also, I, I branch off into sort of, like, moody songs and then, like, alternatively, like, campy songs and yeah. stuff like that. Just anything that will put me in that mind frame because I'm actually working on a horror film right now that I'm writing, and I just, I, I, I my playlist is literally, like, 200 songs, and it's all a whole bunch of stuff. Like, uh, well, well, I'll probably get to some of it Uh Jolene, give us another song. Oh, um, Night of the Vampire by Rocky Erickson. I don't know that one either. Oh, it's so good. Look I'm, that one up later. I'm glad we have you on the show. It's it's so good. It's fucking rock and roll, and it's 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 so good. You need to you need to listen to that one. Nice. Um, I'm gonna have to go with. Uh, what's another standard? Well, I of course have to put on some some variation of the Halloween theme. 
Oh, um, yeah. I, uh, of course, the John Carpenter original is great. There's a really good remix of it for the original Halloween 2. Uh, the remake he did of it for his anthology album that came out last year is also phenomenal. I also really like Tyler Bates's version from the Rob Zombie Halloween too, because right it's really, it's like grimy for lack of a better phrase. It just feels Grimey's gross. Good. So Graham, do you have another one? Or are you sitting out? All right. Back to you, Jolin. Oh, uh, dead man's party. Oh, Oingo fuck. Boingo. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Obviously. Or like just all of Boingo Boingo. All of Boingo Boingo. Yeah. It's all pretty appropriate. I was going to say, I, yeah, I have a ton of Boingo Boingo. Yeah. Uh, you know Mama by Oingo Boingo? Oh. Mama by Oingo Boingo is a song that's written about Norman Bates. So it's... it's what? You've never heard Mama? No. Well, we're going to have to listen to Mama. It's super good. Son of a, what album is that on? That was off of Boingo Alive. It was... Oh, okay. So it was like... I think it was. I think it was. You're just making up these titles. They don't actually exist. (laughs) I'm really not. I think it was recorded for their their album Boy Hyphen and Go. Yeah. Um, Boy and Go. It's like a gas station. That's not good. Um, (laughs) But the only like actual recording you can purchase of it was off Boingo Alive. Okay. And Boingo Alive was a celebration of their catalog that thus far, where they basically recorded live but not with an audience just mm-hmm. in a studio space or a uh arena right. um i guess it's on me again then yeah um uh why is this so difficult jesus christ because you don't take notes uh, you're right <laughs> you're right um i always throw in some stuff from the twin peaks soundtrack oh, right on. and from the the movie twin peaks fire walk with me there's a lot of great moody there's a Song, it's actually on the soundtrack for Fire Walk with Me, but it was used in the show. It's called Sycamore Trees. I want to say it's by sung by Jimmy Olsen with Angelo Badalamenti doing the score or the the uh, accompaniment. Hmm. Very sinister, just uh, downtrodden jazz song. Really good. So hmm. for you, uh, okay. Um, well, I guess on that subject, soundtracks, I would say either the Time Warp or Sweet Transvestite. Yeah, see, I was, that's where I was going with that, too. That, that's also another standard. Yeah, I always have to, you know, because it's appropriate. Yeah. Sticking with musicals, I always have stuff from Sweeney Todd oh, and yeah. uh, Little Shop of Horrors Oh, hell as yeah. Well. Oh, my God. Um, I always like... It wasn't in the original Broadway show, but I always liked Mean Green Mother from Our Space. Oh, fuck yeah. I love that's that such one. A, that's such best. a fun song. Um, another one from you. Oh. Um, we're going to do this until I say we're done. Okay. I hope you're ready. Uh, there's this song, She's My Witch by Southern Culture on the Skids. Um, one of my friends did a burlesque number to this song, and ever since I heard it, I'm just like, this is just, I have to come back to it every fucking year. I actually come back to it all the time. It's on like every playlist that I play at any bar ever, so... Um, yeah, she's my witch, Southern culture on the skids. It's like, it's kind of rockabilly, I guess is a good word for it. Um, really good. Spooky. It's fun. Nice. Uh, speaking of rockabilly, um, and speaking of Halloween too, the Captain Clegg and the Night Creatures album that was recorded in conjunction with that movie it's all original Halloween themed songs. Dope. It's actually a pretty pretty solid album. It's all like Southern rock, honky tonk, blues, 
I can uh, vouch. I can vouch for rockabilly. this. Rockabilly. Mm-hmm. It, it's pretty decent. So yeah, a couple of the songs were used in the movie, but there's like 13 or 14 original tracks oh, on, on this album, and That's it's awesome. actually it's pretty solid. I couldn't, for the life of me, find who plays because I think it's a comedian. Uh, plays this fictional Captain Clegg, and then like Rob Zombie helped produce the actual music around the album. That's dope. Um, but and of course we need to have Rob Zombie on the playlist. Oh, right. Any like, song by Living Rob Dead Zombie. Girl and Dragula for yes, sure. Living Dead Girl is my jam. Yeah, same. Um, I feel. Like. I got my sister hooked on that song, which was don't forget about it. Yeah, my Durango number ninety five. <laughs> That's a good one as well. Another one for you, Julian. Uh, psycho killer, kiss kissy. Fuh, 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 I've been really fuh. into Talking Heads yeah. recently. Yeah, you gotta do that one. One time I did it for karaoke, and I did not realize that kiss kissy is like uh, French. Yes. You know, and so there's like a whole French bit in the song. I did it for karaoke, really drunk. Didn't realize I had to speak French for it, so I just like did my best. Sure. Not my proudest moment. I'm, I'm sure gonna say you knocked that much. It out of the park. I did not. Okay. I absolutely did not. All right. <laughs> Um, all right, I'm going to throw a weird one in here, uh, but it's usually on every playlist I ever make because it's such a bop. Bat Dance by Prince. Huh, okay. Right on. Um, I know a lot of you are like, oh, Batman, that's a bit of a stretch for Halloween, but I mean, fuck you. <laughs> he dresses like a bat. That's, that's that's Halloween as fuck. Yeah, that's all that matters, um, right? And Bat Dance is one of the most ridiculous club songs of the 1980s that's just like... Prince laying down some pretty sick instrumental and like 95 samples from the movie just interjected. It's just like there's this like hard funk bass line and it's like Jack Nicholson going, stop the press. Who is that? Vicky Vale. Vic, Vicky Vale. It's, oh, it's fun. really, it's like the best song ever written. So check out Bad Dance if you haven't heard Bad Dance. Another one from you. <laughs> Um, well, I guess I did mention Alice Cooper already, but I'll say This House is Haunted by Alice Cooper because okay. it's from The Eyes of Alice Cooper, which is not one of their most popular albums because it was fairly new. Okay. Um, like, I think fucking early 2000s even. Like, it's uh, it's fairly recent. Um, but it's like, it's very dark and it's sort of, from what I remember, it's like about like a man's wife dying and then her haunting the house that they lived in. And it's just, it's very, or maybe he killed her. I don't remember. But very pretty. Nice. Very spooky. Okay. Um, there's a band called... A band. I think it's two dudes because they're a synthwave group. Synthwave, for those of you that don't know, is, 19, is uh, 1980s inspired uh, electronic or dance music. Um, very heavily inspired by John Carpenter and uh, uh, like Vangel- Vangelis and stuff like that. Uh, there's a group called Dance with the Dead. They have a couple albums or every one of their songs are, is fucking tight. Um, I, I think I have their album Out of Body on iTunes and I, I just put the entire album in the playlist and then when it would pop up, I was like, I forgot how fucking catchy this album is. It's super good, super John Carpenter inspired and like really, I, I love good synthwave music. So it's, and that's worth checking out. Hell yeah. Um, I'm going to say specifically zombie dance by the cramps but also like a bajillion other things by the cramps like uh creature from the black leather lagoon or human fly even i feel like kind of works because the fly is a thing and yeah i don't know nice um i love the cramps (laughs) 
Um, I'm going to say anything by Goblin. Oh, yeah. Uh, Dude, I almost just said that exactly. I'm not even kidding. Right. Oh, my God. Uh, well, Goblin is great. Goblin, if you don't know, did the music for most of, if not like half of Dario Argento's catalog. Maybe not half. Dario Argento's made a lot of movies. Most, If I had to pick some, though, I would do Deep Red and Suspiria. Uh, and, of course, Goblin also did the soundtrack for George A. Romero's Dawn of the Dead, um, which is worth worth the listen. Again, more like synth-based, kind of progressive rock sound. The theme for Suspiria is like one of the best horror movie themes ever. What's up? Uh, let's see. What... Somebody's watching me. Is that yeah? Is that somebody's song? watching me by, by Ro- Rockwell. There we go. Featuring Michael Jackson and yeah. Jermaine Jackson. Yeah, that one. That's an, another classic. Um, this is okay. This is a weird one, but I'm going to say um, anything off of "Bad Out of Hell" by Meatloaf because "Bad Out of Hell" has this kind of. Uh, campy metal sound to it uh i put paradise by the dashboard lights on my uh on my uh, playlist and that seemed to flow very well um meatloaf is a fantastic artist most people know him as uh eddie from rocky horror picture show but so i guess hoppatootie bless my soul would be hoppatootie bless my soul what do you think graham anything from rocky horror Mm mm-hmm would be in that category. I think you were mentioning you were mentioning soundtracks and scores. I mean, you could do that for basically any horror film. I feel like you could go to any horror film, and if you have an interest in the soundtrack or score, you listen to it. I think that that's that's a fitting entry to the playlist. Um, what are some of your favorites? I know one of them for sure, but uh, it follows is really good. Mm-hmm. That's not what I thought you were going to choose. Sinister? Sinister. I mean, yeah, it's just funny. It, it's it's a really bizarre uh, It's almost like score. a soundscape than yeah, a soundtrack. That's a really, yeah, I would completely agree with that. Um, what else do I, I mean? Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street is a good soundtrack. That's a, yeah, that's that's one I'd put in there. That We had the Halloween Pandora playing at work and the Nightmare on Elm Street theme came up and I was like I forgot how fucking tight this th- this theme is. The original Halloween had a pretty good yes. soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Um most John Carpenter soundtracks are always fantastic. Yeah. So and that kind of goes along with the whole it follows vibe. Yeah. Um or I should say it follows went along with the John Carpenter right, vibe. Yeah. Uh yeah, I think that'd be a good selection. It follows is a solid choice. Sinister's a good choice. And that's about all I can think of. But yeah, I think any horror film movie soundtrack works. Okay. That'd be my choice. Do you have any more, Jolyn? Spell down. Susie and the Banshees. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Um, then I think I'll end with... What's a really good one? <laughs> um, I'd have to put anything by Marilyn Manson on it. Um, yeah, his, a lot of, his cover of This Is Halloween, I'm like... I love. I, I, I always love have his cover of This Is Halloween or, on it. Was it Corn that redid what... Kidnap the Santa Claus. Yeah, I loved Korn. that. And it's like, that feels a little bit blasphemous because I'm like, I love Danny Elfman more, but mm-hmm. I'm also like, that was fucking so fun to listen no, to. No, yeah. That, that whole... Uh, a while ago, for some anniversary of Nightmare Before Christmas, 
a bunch of artists did covers of the music from the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marilyn Manson most famously did This Is Halloween. Um, Marilyn Manson uh, also just put out a cover of Cry Little Sister from the Lost Boys soundtrack. That is fucking I haven't heard dope. that. It is really good. Really, really good. Um, I would put a lot of stuff from his very first album on it because his first album... Whoa, God, that was weird. I've <laughs> been possessed. Um, his first album is the most, like, most, like, just aggressively, like, horror-themed. Of then that I mean, that bleeds into all of his other stuff, but I think his first album is the rawest. It's not my favorite, but it has a lot of the most raw imagery in it. Cool. Um, and then, of course, the beautiful people, the beautiful people. That's not his also, first album, Also, his, his version of uh, Personal Jesus I was super into. And Sweet Dreams Are Made of This. Yeah, I like He's a pretty good too. cover artist. Mm-hmm. The Helter Skelter that he and Rob oh, Zombie fuck. did I is really that. good. Oh, fuck, I love that. I like it, it better than Beatles on. I kind of do, too. I don't want to get like, punched <laughs> in the face by like half of my friends for saying that. But hey, my sister is like the biggest Beatles fan I've ever met. And she even agrees, like, I actually really kind of like this song. Because both really me and my groovy. sister are like, Helter Skelter by the Beatles is fine, but... I sh- I played I it for like my it, sister, and she was like, "I actually kind of like this." It's song It's one of those now. songs that I think was designed. I mean, granted, they made like the Beatles fucking wrote it, so what am I to say? But it seems like it was designed to be a little bit heavier. You yeah. know what I mean? So it's oh, like yeah. it's not necessarily a sound that the Beatles had, but it it is. I think it, done heavy is a better way to do it. it, it I agree. I agree it completely. Cool. Um, so. Were you playing along with home? Were you listening? If so, uh, add our contributions <laughs> to your Halloween Spotify or iTunes playlist and tell us what you like to listen to <laughs> in the comments on Twitter or on AIM Messenger. <laughs> our handle is... Get the fuck out of here. Cuckold Anonymous 23. Oh my god, you're right. fired. Now I'm firing you. God damn it. Can I go one show without being fired? If I didn't say awful shit like this, I wouldn't get fired. Um, so let's move on to our next topic of discussion. Something we've, we've mentioned in passing, but something, and I could be wrong, I barely remember my real name half the time. Um... <laughs> We're just going to discuss like who our favorite horror writers and filmmakers are because we we discuss all we discuss a lot of horror here, and it's obvious that we have our own opinions. I, I want to get down to the nitty gritty of the visionaries in this warped genre that gave us our sensibilities, inspire us, and still terrify us to the core. <laughs> I don't know, Jolyn, we'll start with you. Okay, well, I've definitely brought him up a bajillion times, but Clive Barker, I fucking adore this man, and I think I've loved every single thing that I've ever read by him. Um, his, like, just his writing style alone, like, in his novels are just, it's beautiful. It's beautifully written, it's very descriptive, and it just keeps you interested the whole time. Um, but he also is responsible for a lot of really popular horror films, like uh, Hellraiser was based off of his novella, um, The Hellbound Heart, and Nightbreed was based off of Cabal by him, and Candyman was based off of um, The Forbidden. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Uh, and I mean, he also like he's backed a lot of films. He has um, 
he's made comics. He's also apparently a painter and illustrator. Though I that doesn't I, surprise. Yeah, me. no, he does fucking everything. I fucking love this man. He also I recently found out that he I I don't know if it's the same title. Um, but there's this movie Dread from like two thousand something, and it's about like this film student who can't figure out what he wants to do for a thesis and then he meets this kind of like weirdo dude who's just like hey you should do a study on fear and figure out what people's deepest fears are and then that dude ends up being like a total psychopath and like taking it way too far it's really cool it's horrifying judge dread. Judge dread. Not, it's not it's judge not, dread it's not the good judge dread no movie. it's not it's not judge dread it's just dread like d-r-e-a-d gotcha. um and uh, something rathbone is the lead character Basil? he no, that's never mind. Basil Rathborn is played Sherlock Holmes in like no, the, the no, 20s. no, no. Um, <laughs> I'll be over here if you need. To. <laughs> I can't. I can't remember his first name, but he was in like the Twilight movies as one of the like vampire brother people. Um, but he's in this movie and he plays like an edgy film student. And um, hard to believe. <laughs> but it's like it's very psychological. It's very cool. And I just recently learned that the short story that that was based off of loosely. Mm-hmm. By the way, um, it's loosely based off of the short story by Clive Barker, uh, which is also a part of his Books of Blood, which The Forbidden is a part of, um, which Candyman was based off of. So anyway, Clive Barker is fucking amazing, and he can just do any sort of medium and kick its ass and make a beautiful film. Um, Hell yeah. Also, like, I was recently able to geek out about Dean Koontz. Dean Koontz. Yeah. I was not expecting that from you. I know. A lot of people, like, okay, I got into a fight with somebody one time because he was like, well, Stephen King's way better. And I'm like, you can like things separately, you sure, know? Right, like, yeah. you can like both. I love Stephen King, like, but I still like Dean Koontz. Definitely they're making film, or making, like, they're writing similar pieces of fiction or whatever, but. Um, I've read a Dean Koontz novel. Which I, was it? What the fuck is it called? It's called The Face of Fear. I haven't read it's that. It's about a a former like world-class mountain climber who has a, a tragic fall and like has permanently fucked up his back so he Oof. can't climb anymore, but it also gave him like uh oh shit, what's the word? Not telepathy. He's like clairvoyant or oh. he can like kind of see into the Psychic? future. Psychic. Okay. That's, I don't know why I couldn't think of that word. It's okay. Um, and basically he's uh, kind of helping the cops with the serial murder that's happening. Cool. And then him and his girlfriend are trapped in the building that he works in while the serial killer is there. And they basically have to like mountain climb out of the building hmm. to stay alive. It's it's a very pulpy story and that's kind funny. of, and, a lot of his stuff and it's very pulpy. like, oddball but it was a surprisingly good page turn and it was the first time in like years that i finished the book in a day that Mm -hmm. i saw well it's like and that's what i kind of like about dean Koontz is that like his stuff is pretty easy to read um but it's not like fluff necessarily Mm -hmm. and it's really off the wall um the the first book that i ever actually read by him I read because I'd seen the movie version of it, which was Odd Thomas with Anton Yelkin or Yelchin. I don't know how to say his last name, but I fucking adored him as an actor. And then he died and I was heartbroken. So I just love that movie. And he's like kind of buff in it. So I was like all verklempt. But um, so I had to read the book. You were uh, what? Verklempt. I don't know what that means. It's Yiddish. uh, At a loss for words. Gotcha. All right. Well, Um, learned something new today. Yeah. But anyway. Mazel tov. (laughs) Oh, Jesus Christ. Um... (laughs) <laughs> it was also a Jew. <laughs> now, now. <laughs> okay, anyway. 
But so Dean Koontz, I read Odd Thomas because I'd seen that movie. It was kind of like a fun little book about um, a guy who could see ghosts and helped like local police solve murders because he would see the ghosts afterwards and then those ghosts would like give him signs as to like how to help and stuff and he always used his his gift for good but Mm -hmm. he like would do very kind of like he was just like a fry cook and then he would like help the police do that like he wasn't using it to be like a celebrity or anything i don't know it was a cute story and i liked it and it's it's a fun book to read and it's a fun movie so um and then finally i'm going to talk about thomas harris who wrote of course silence of the lambs and like all the handbill books um and those books are so beautifully written and i love them because like they make you sort of love your villain and i love loving villains so there you go. um and thomas harris is actually coming out with a new book even though i thought he was dead i thought that he was not alive anymore and i thought he was done making things fair enough so, thomas harris isn't dead he's not dead you're goddamn it. <laughs> he's like 78 or some shit, though, so it's not that far-fetched. So he's, he's dead. He's, he's not. Dead. He's making a new that's, book. That's I don't rude. know when that's it comes rude. out. That's I but apologize. He, he's making a new book. So I'm sorry, Thomas Harris, for thinking that you were dead, as if you'd be listening to this podcast right now. He probably is. Let's hope. So, Graham, who are some of your horror filmmakers and or writers? Um, Wes Craven. Yeah. It's a pretty easy choice for that one. Um... Rob Zombie. I can take that. Ah, uh, man. It's a tough choice. I like Lee Winnell. Like, I think his, I like his writing because he does, he does like, the uh, Insidious movies. Like, I like, oh, okay. I like the general, like, vibe he gives. I'm not a fan of all of his work, but um, he's been writing, I don't know how many uh, installments of, like, The Conjuring or Insidious he wrote, but um, he's done a, a few, and I've enjoyed them. Um not the biggest Stephen King fan, so I can't can't exactly say. I know you're uh, fired. Uh, yeah, thank you. You're gonna have to fire um, me again then too. It's just gonna be me on the show talking for like two hours every month. I'd listen to it. I would too. Um, what else? Oh, there she did. There it she is. did. It. Happy Halloween, and that's the last episode we can ever do. That's all, folks. That's all, folks. Oh, Signing off. I um, waved. <laughs> I can't. I can't see me. Makes but for I great. Makes for yeah. Makes for great radio. I can't talk. So, oh um, man, this is the best day. Should I rub my beard on the microphone? <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus. Um, man, who else? Oh, what a I think that's about. I, I. I mean, John Carpenter obviously is really oh, good. Yeah. I mean, who's John Carpenter? <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh, it's, oh I'm sorry. Did you forget one? Would you say fuck? <laughs> Sam Raimi. He's oh yeah, 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 yeah. Sam yeah. I figured you guys. Jolin would... was like, "I'd fuck." Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just I I'm so surprised I didn't. Sam Raimi. Sam yeah. Sam Raimi is Sam Raimi is a G. Yeah, fuck. Man, I I can't think of any other ones, but Sam Wise Raimi. <laughs> when you said Sam Raimi, I literally thought of Sam from Lord of the Rings for like <laughs> half a second. That was the strangest thing. So now that you're pointing that out, Matt. We're all in tune, but in the very wrong direction. I'm also a Stephen King, non-explained psychic. <laughs> it's a weird. It's a weird world we live in. Try to say that five times. It's a weird world we live in. I give up already. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's about it. Like just most of the classic directors. I like. Yeah, no, I, I, I was trying to think if I was forgetting. Him. I mean, Eli Roth, he's fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I haven't had like um, at least with horror, I haven't had. 
I don't have like many directors that I attach to. Um, I'm more of a, <laughs> I'm more of a, uh, I don't know, movie to movie type person. Like I don't, I don't know. I, I can't say there's like one director in horror <laughs> that I direct all my attention to on a consistent basis. Um, uh huh. Yeah. Anyway, the goddamn shit show over there, Matt. What the hell's going on? Spilled all over myself. I know. You're just trying to stay hydrated so my throat's nice and. See, you try to do something good for your body, and this is what happens. I know. My body just rejects it. It's like, fuck you. What is this poison you're feeding me? (laughs) It's water, by the way. Um, That's what you say. You're right. Uh, Those were great choices. Um, Of course, I've said it on the podcast. John Carpenter is probably my favorite director. Uh, what? <laughs> John Carpenter is probably my favorite director when he is a writer, uh, which is very, very rare. I mean, it's not rare. He he wrote, what the fuck am I even saying? He actually wrote quite a few of his things, but um, most famously the one that he wrote that's is Halloween, but he also did Escape from New York and Assault on Precinct 13. And I think he wrote Prince of Darkness, under a uh, pen name, and he co-wrote In the Mouth of Madness. Prince of Darkness was so good. Prince of Darkness is pretty dope. I prefer In the Mouth of Madness, not like there's any comparison, but In the Mouth of Madness is fucking weird, dude. I like it a lot. I swear. Um, I get it. You brought up two of my other favorites, Graham, Wes Craven, and Roberto, Robert Cummings, um, yeah. as, as much as... As much as it's become a meme at this point, I actually do think Rob Zombie is an interesting horror director. Yeah, I like I like whether it's good, whether it's bad, it's interesting at least for the, for the most part. Lords of Salem can kind of suck my nads. Yeah, um, thirty one. I'm like still kind of mad that I gave him so much money for it, which like so much money for me is like two hundred bucks, but it's still like I gave lot, you money to make that movie. And, I didn't. I, and it was so I, not good, except for Malcolm McDowell. That's I thought I thirty-one was fun. I don't. I didn't I hate thirty-one it, as much as you do. I think I was just mad because it's like I read the script and I was like, I'm already kind of disappointed by this script because that was like part of the fan backing I did was to yeah. get like a signed script. Which and, you don't um, even have anymore, right? No, I have that. Oh, I don't like. I had a signed Wait, copy of the, the Lords, Lords of Salem, of Salem book, and then I had a signed copy of the, book the of Haunted of World of El Superbisto, the comic, and I don't have either of those things anymore. That's fucking lame. Yeah, I don't care. Uh, like. Because that was another thing that I bought for the fan backing was like a meet and greet ticket where you'd like sign stuff. It's like you couldn't really talk to him. And he was just kind of like, oh, for, well, sign a thing. And then you got a picture taken and it was just like in a line kind of thing. That it sounds, felt lame. That sounds like Rob. Yeah, it just, uh, it's just kind of stupid. Long, disgusting hair. Yeah. Um, you but, talk about Rob as if you know him firsthand. Oh, good. Don't lie to the people. That's Rob. That's Rob. I Classic just, Rob. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like it didn't feel awesome like having Rob Zombies and John Five's fucking arms around me for a picture. I was like, I'm the coolest kid today was sherry there no damn i was fine without her (laughs) i mean i would have been too just kidding sherry and if you want an interview just shoot us a message on aim and Um, you won't get back to her i'm probably not um actually no if sherry moon zombie messaged me and was like hey we like the podcast and i would like to be on it i would shit a brick and i'd be like yeah yeah Regardless of if I just you have no talent you as if she messaged me on AIM, I'd be like, why the fuck do you have AIM? Yeah. I don't even have AIM. <laughs> well, that's what I mean, is you wouldn't respond because you don't have it. So Now we've now we've gotten to where we should have been. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> Another one of my favorites is uh, George A. Romero. Oh, uh, God, yes. Another big influence uh, on me from for the whole uh, low-budget filmmaker thing. I, of course, love Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead. Day uh, of the Dead. That's my favorite. Really? I love Day, Day of the, the Dead. Day of the good. Day of the Dead has really interesting commentary. I, I love the, the female badass because you all know Well, me. it's finally, like, he finally wrote a decent female character. Yeah, and she's kicking ass Because Barbara time. sucks. Yeah. But, what, I mean, yeah. What, who's the chick? What's, I can't think of what her name is in a... Uh, Dawn of the Dead. But she sucks too. She's basically just like, you can't do anything because you're pregnant. She's like, but I wanna know. <laughs> and that's her character arc. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I guess she does learn how to fly the helicopter, and that's pretty sweet. And then Creep Show. Romero's Creep Show with Stephen seen, King. I've never seen Creep Show. Oh my god, are you kidding me right now? You're a filmmaker? <laughs> you haven't seen Creep Show? <laughs> I should have um, brought that one over tonight. That one's so fucking good. I've heard good things about it. Um, I also... I have the comic, too. I really want to see his vampire movie, Martin. Oh god, so you, good. Okay. Because mm-hmm. he's... I think he said that that's like his favorite movie that he's... Uh, done mm-hmm. that death hit me really hard i mean oh, yeah. he died of lung cancer which doesn't surprise me because every interview i saw him in he was smoking so toby hooper's death was the one that like killed me yeah that was that was surprising as well yeah. um but yeah, yeah george a romero shook me um trying to think i'm sure there's someone I, you, sam raimi you guys brought up a lot of my favorites already sam raimi um of course, love. I'm surprised I forgot in the first round. The Evil Dead trilogy is... Even Drag Me to Hell. Drag Me to Hell, that's exactly what I was going to say. Drag Me to Hell is really fucking good. Um, Although it's like... Somebody was talking shit about that movie because they're just like, all it's about is a cursed button. And I'm like, yeah, but they made a fucking feature-length film that was also badass based off of a cursed button. True. That's... Awesome. It's also yeah. It's it's classic uh, splat stick from one of the best. Yeah, added. it's so fucking good. And I'll finish by saying Adam Wingard for two movies because the Blair Witch reboot, reboot sequel, wherever the fuck was not that great. But you're next in the guest. I really fuck with the guest is really really good. Um, you're next. I really really like. Um, I never actually saw your next. So now I'm out of the loop. You're a horror fan and you <laughs> haven't seen All right. Um, but yeah, those are some of our favorites. And before we wrap up on the show, uh, we're going to end, as I promised, by giving a recommendation for a horror movie that you should be checking out this month. Jolyn, balls in your court. I'm going to recommend Freaks from, I think, 1932. That uh, about right. Yeah, it's pre-code, black and white. Um, it's like about... Um, a woman who tries to take advantage of one of the freaks in the freak show, and then they she end up turning her into a freak, and then that's where the whole one of us, one of us, Google gobble, Google mm-hmm. gobble comes from, and it is the greatest. I still need to see that movie. I no, ah, <laughs> so many movies I need to bring over here for you guys. Yes, Graham. <laughs> All right, I'm stealing Matt's. Oh no. And we're just jumping to my suggestion for some reason. I don't know why I interrupted. No, I was going to go to you next. Same uh, Body Double by Brian De Palma. <laughs> 1984 erotic thriller, according to Wikipedia. That's also an erotic thriller? Uh, Apparently that, knock, knock It's pretty erotic. erotic. Thriller too. Knock, knock. Starring Craig Wasson. Poor man's Kevin Costner. <laughs> yep. Greg Henry, Melanie Griffith, and a few other people. Like um, 
basically the summary on IMDb is after losing uh, an acting role in his girlfriend, Jake Scully finally catches a break. He gets offered a gig house sitting in the Hollywood Hills while peering through the beautiful woman's telescope one night. He spies a gorgeous blonde, Deborah Shelton, dancing in her window. But when he witnesses the girl's murder, it leads Scully through the netherworld, the adult entertainment industry, on a search for answers with porn actress Holly Body, played by Melanie Griffith, as his guide. That's the summary according to IMDb. Basically, um, Brian De Palma made a Frankenstein's monster of Vertigo and Rear Window. Basically, yeah, that's the best way of describing it. But that's not a knock on the film. It's still really entertaining and still really good. But uh, yeah, Matt's definitely telling the truth. We both watched it at the same exact time. Um, not in the same room. Not in the same room. But <laughs> well, we timed it out. For some reason, we didn't want to watch it together, but we also wanted to watch it at the same time. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make any sense. Um, but no, no, yeah, it's a, it's a great movie. Really entertaining. Makes you think a few times. Mm-hmm. You know, throws you off a little bit, which is always fun. Keeps you guessing. Uh, yeah, so that's my recommendation for this week. Body Double by Brian De Palma. And uh, my recommendation will be jo- Joel Schum- Schumacher. Fuck, wow. Joel Schumacher's cult favorite, The Lost Boys. Yeah. Jolyn was playing that at the bar last night Hell where yeah, she was, was serving me drinks. And Lots of drinks. I died. <laughs> um, but Lost Boys is fantastic. And and for my money, it's like one of the most 1980s movies ever made. It's I love it. the f- fashion is outrageous. The production design is delicious. The the delicious. horror comedy really really works, and it's a typical teen rebellion coming of age story about vampires. And uh, the Corey duo is in it: Corey Feldman and Corey Haim. So you can't really get much more '80s than that. Check out the Lost Boys. It's one of like the three good movies that Joel Schumacher mm-hmm. has done. Poor guy, but really worth checking out. And so, my tender lumplings, that wraps <laughs> another episode of Monsters at Midnight, second episode for October. Jolyn, thank you as always. Oh, my pleasure. Graham, it was fun. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> And if you'll excuse me, I'm going to go put my dick in a pumpkin. Have a groovy (laughs) evening. Springtime tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. Every bunny loves honey-glazed carrots, a great side dish for your springtime celebration, and a delicious compliment to a sweet, bright Moscato. Wine is made in virtually every country in the world, and I'm ready to give you a tour to find the right one. Serving lamb this season? Try it with a bold Cabernet from the trendy Paso Robles region. Whether you're hosting or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection this spring at Total Wine & More. Cheers! Hi, Fashion Hotline. Hi, this Easter I'm on the hunt. For eggs? For new styles my family can wear to brunch. Get to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, right now get a huge 50% off your entire purchase in store. Everything you need, like dresses, polos, and shorts, is 50% off. 50% off? You must be hiding something. Dresses start at just $12 for women, $10 for girls. But Easter's just three days away. Then hop to it. It's in stores only. Don't tell the Easter Bunny. Hurry in for 50% off your entire purchase in stores only. Now at Old Navy. Valid 14 to 420 in stores only. Excludes in store clearance. Gift cards. Register lane items. Jewelry today only and today only deals.